ACAST. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. On this episode of Missing the Point, after dominating the Chargers, the Patriots are back to 500. But with just four games left in the season, and still a long shot for the playoffs, did the Patriots actually do more harm than good to their future? We'll also touch on the rest of the NFL through Week 13, and talk about coaches on the hot seat, as we've already seen three coaches fired this season, now we could potentially see up to six more. All that and more of Joe, Bob, and Rayshon. But first, some housekeeping. Missing the Point is a one-hour weekly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript of today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. And now, this is Missing the Point. But it's all relative. Welcome into episode 21 of Missing the Point. My name's Joe Malkin, joined by Rayshon Buchanan, Bob Kelly, and as always, our executive producer, Craig D'Alessandro. Guys, uh, we have a lot to talk about in the NFL this week as we get into week 14, as we're finishing week 13, as we record this. Uh, but guys, how are how are you both doing tonight, Bobby? I'm doing great, man. Um Excited to be back for another week of Missing the Point. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, so I'm just excited to be here, as always. Excited to talk some football. Uh, let's get it going. Ray, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, y'all know personally it's been kind of crazy for me lately. So, you know, it's, it's always good to be around y'all and talk to y'all and, uh, you know, get another show out there. So, you know, like Bobby said, we have a lot of great things coming. And, you know, it starts tonight. So let, let, let's get to it. Yeah, and as as we talk about the end of week 13 and we move into week 14, we can tell you a little bit of that stuff. Uh, ch- check out our, our last two episodes. Uh, Dave Clark uh, gave us a, a great uh, quiz show last week. And two weeks ago, before Thanksgiving, we spoke to former VP of officiating for the NFL, Dean Blandino. And next week, thanks to our executive producer, Craig D'Alessandro, we're going to talk to uh, Boston sports reporter, Abby Chin, 
who will be coming up. And we also have our uh, NBA preview show that will be coming out on opening day. And this uh, Sunday on the 13th is our live show. So as the guy said, we have so much coming up, but one of the big things we definitely want to plug and tell you guys about uh, is the interview we have coming up with Abby Chin next week on Thursday, the 17th. So that's going to be a fun one guys, but let's get into the NFL and let's start with at least our, our hometown team, the New England Patriots, the team that Bobby was a fan of and then jumped ship, as as everyone knows. But let's talk about the New England Patriots and, and what has transpired in their season, uh, especially yesterday, where they beat the L.A. Chargers 45 to nothing on the road um, at SoFi Stadium. And, guys, interesting day for the Patriots. Finally, they click in all three segments of, of the game. Uh, on offense, we saw Cam look fairly good. The defense looked awesome. And and special teams, Gunnar Olszewski getting a, a punt return for a touchdown. So, Ray, what was your take on yesterday's 45 to nothing win over the Chargers for the Patriots? So, I, I can't say that Cam had a great game. I mean, obviously, I know he had three total touchdowns. But, you know, to go 12-18 for 69 yards um, and basically have, a you know, another performance where he has under 100 passing yards, uh, to me, that's still unacceptable. Uh, but right now, I feel like it's really becoming 2011 Denver Bronco-ish. And what I mean by that is, you know, Tebow was throwing seven for 15 and like 70 yards. But, you know, I remember the game he had against Denver when he runs it in at the end of the, in that, at the, end of the game. And, uh, you know, obviously they beat the Steelers uh, in, in, in the wild card round, which was, you know, that was, that was a crazy game at that time. So, I just feel like that's what that's what it looks like is hap- that's happening with us. And you know, I listen. I didn't think we would be six and six this late in the year. Um, you know, the way they had been playing when they had lost three out of four, and now they've won uh, four out of five or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I was I was pleased to see everybody kind of come together. Um, Devin McCourty was moving <laughs> on that uh, on that block kick. So, you know, I was like, wow, okay, the, the old man uh, still got a little little uh, little juice in those legs. So. But uh, yeah, I, I was excited to see them blow it out. And I, I just felt like it was a win that said, hey, you know, we are on our last leg, so to speak, but we're not dead yet. So, yeah, uh, 130 passing yards total. Jared Stidham was two for three, 61 yards in the touchdown. And you mentioned Cam with the three total touchdowns, one through the air, two on the ground. Um, Gunnar Olszewski and Nikhil Harry had the two touchdowns receiving. Um, I, I agree with you. And and just to kind of rebut what you said there about uh, the 2011 Broncos where, where Tebow would have 70 yards. You also have to remember that Belichick's dad was the head coach of the Naval Academy for years. So we already know that he has a soft spot for the triple option, uh, which has been working uh, for the last couple of weeks, at least. But uh, Bobby, the, the non-resident Patriots fan, what are your... Um, what are your takeaways from yesterday's Patriots Chargers game? Um, that Bill Belichick will in forever dominate and eat rookie quarterbacks for breakfast. Um, it's something that I I don't want to say I forgot about, but I didn't remember how evident it really is. He gets in their heads. If these guys don't have experience, he just eats them alive. And he ate Herbert alive yesterday. Um, it absolutely, absolutely killed him. The other thing is I don't think enough can be said about Damian Harris and his coming out party that's been happening the last few weeks. I think that has a lot to do 
with what's been happening. Um, you you look at it, right? You, you used to say it four or five weeks ago when Damian Harris first came out, like this dude, he just runs hard, man. And I feel like that's something that they were missing um, these past, those first five, six weeks. I think that's something that really helps this team because I don't think that they, the way to be, them be successful isn't necessarily that triple option to me. It's to just pound the ball down their throat. That's what they did the last two years of Brady, and that's what made them successful. So when they get back to that, that's when you see them having a success like they did yesterday. But to, to add to that, right, I think, so obviously, you know, we talked about early in the season, it was going to have a top five uh, rushing attack or even top 10, and they've been top five. So that's clearly the strength. Like that's, you know, whether it's Damian Harris, Harris, uh, Sonny Michelle, uh, JJ Taylor has some success when he's played early in the year. Like they have to do it like that because obviously they're not going to have enough of an outside threat to continuously do that. But I feel like we need a mix of what we saw, I guess, Miami and Seattle from Cam in order for them to be successful and possibly even win out, which is kind of crazy. I don't think they're going to win out and go 10 and six. Like I do think they can go nine and seven. I do. I think that's possible. Um, I, I don't trust that the Dolphins and Bills, you know, a lot of those guys have not been there. And granted, not everyone on the Patriots has either. I'm not saying that, that that's the case, but I just, I just, I trust Bill in those moments more than I would Flores or or Sean McDermott. And, you know, the telltale sign will be Thursday when they face the LA Rams. So I think if they get by the Rams, I think they win a couple of more games and get to that nine win mark and then end the season nine to seven. And that's what's interesting about this West Coast swing, right? I thought this was the coolest part of their schedule. Now you have these two teams playing in the same city, so the Patriots go out to play the Chargers on Sunday, and they're just going to hang out in L.A. for three, four days until they play the Rams, and then they'll they'll head home. So my my look at this, and, and Bobby, you kind of said it, or you did say it, the, that Bill Belichick is now 20-5 and five in his career against rookie quarterbacks which is unbelievable. And I said this to you guys before this game, and I knew that this was going to be a big part of it. And we'll get to this point a little bit later in the show, but I'll kind of tease it a little bit is that some of the coaching decisions on the Chargers side of the ball, which was already being questioned coming into this game, uh, were very interesting. And I think this team may have had a better chance with Tyrod Taylor under center. And that's not to say that Justin Herbert isn't the better quarterback, but they Bill Belichick does have a tendency to rip apart uh, rookie QBs. And he did that again uh, this week and, and got a huge win out of it. And one of the biggest things is that, that I took from what you said, Bobby was running downhill and running through people. And they did do that, right? Damian Harris, 80 yards, Cam Newton, 48, Sony Michelle had 35 Dante Moncrief had four rushing yards. So there's, there's a name from, from Indianapolis Colts past now wearing a Patriots uniform. And that's that's really what it is. It's really that RPO, that new style option, not the triple option that we still see uh, the Naval Academy running with the wing T and and all the other stuff. So that that is their style, and they can get away with not throwing for three hundred yards like they used to. And Ray, I don't think Cam looks right. I don't think he's throwing the ball right. I don't think uh, I don't think he's totally healthy. And I don't mean from a COVID standpoint, I mean, from a him standpoint, from a physical standpoint. So I think that's why we're seeing it, but I think we're finally seeing now. And, and Bobby kind of mentioned this earlier in the season with the Patriots where they it, give it time. Uh, Cause he's also said this with other teams where you're trying to change the culture. You're trying to change things uh, about a team. And really that is what's happening with the Patriots. You're, you're trying to form a whole new team and offense around one guy. So as long as they can remain consistent 
and, and Josh and Cam can work well together, I, I think we're going to see some more success. But at six and six, this team is now in third place or is in, still in third place. I shouldn't say now because the Jets stink, but they're in third place uh, three games out of the division lead uh, with five to play. I'm sorry, four to play. What do we think about the Patriots' chances of, I don't want to say winning the division because that probably won't happen because that Bills team is very good, but what do we think of the Patriots' chances of getting into the playoffs as they are currently the number 10 seed in the AFC, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I I just alluded to it a little bit uh, a few minutes ago, but I, I do think they find a way to become 9-7, to seven, and I do think some teams that are ahead of them right now, so, uh, you know, we're keeping an eye right now on the Baltimore and um and Dallas game because, you know, we have the tiebreaker against Baltimore. We have the tiebreaker against the Raiders as well. So it's like if those if those two teams slip and we and we find a way to rise up, then, uh, you know, not to steal a turn from the Falcons. If we don't want to rise up like them, we want to do better than that. But um, I, I just think that if they find a way to get in there, uh, it just sucks because if if Kansas City becomes stays the two seed, <laughs> then you know we'll you know we'll definitely be going home in the first round. But um, and Bobby may be surprised when I when I say this because I've been talking about them being good all year. But um, I would actually like our chances if we face Pittsburgh in the first round. I, I really would. Um, I, I just think that because of the injuries they've had, and um, I also think it's in their head that they've never beaten us when it matters. I, you know, and, and I think that if, if New England found a way to get in to be that seventh seed and they went up to Heinz Field um, and we run the ball the way that we could run it, um, I, I think they have a chance to at least, you know, you know, still, still one um, and it'd be like 2001 all over again. So, um, that that's just where I see it. So I think they they finished best at, at nine to seven. Um, could they be ten to six? Sure. I mean, like it's possible because that's that's how many games they have. They have four games left on on the schedule. But I just think realistically, it'd be like a nine to seven or or an eight and eight. So looking at the rest of the Patriots' schedule, you mentioned the last four games. They they take on the Rams on the road on Thursday night football. Then on the twentieth of December, they're in South Florida to play Miami. On the 28th, they are at home to take on the Bills. And on January 3rd, they're at home to take on the Jets. So it's all speculation. I could see them getting two of those four games. Uh, I think they, as much as uh, Belichick is known for uh, beating up on rookie quarterbacks, I think he also has, um, why is the Rams coach? uh, Sean McVay. McVay. Sean McVay, he kind of has his number as well. And McVay, McVay just gushes over him every time he sees him. That's true. And if <laughs> and if Tua starts for the Dolphins, there's another rookie quarterback. So let's see what happens. And I mean, it is it is realistic, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because it's just speculation. But it is realistic that the Patriots could go ten and six, as Ray said, and and win these last four games, three of which are divisional games, and they could finish second in the division and get that wild card. That's just the wildest thing ever to me, honestly. Like, you guys, I and you guys know I love to troll, but, like, this honestly isn't even, it, it's just so, it, it's such a testament to how amazing Bill Belichick really is. You know what I mean? It's just, like, it, uh, the respect that I have for that man as a head coach is above and beyond anyone else. Because when you think about the lack of talent on this team and the fact that we're sitting here at week 12 
and we're talking about a path for this team to go to the playoffs is unbelievable to me. You know what I mean? Like going into the season, like I told you guys, I was like, you guys, I literally told you guys you were insane to even think that a playoffs was a chance. Like, don't even think about it because you're just getting your hopes up. And you know what I mean? You're just going to be disappointed and end up in the middle of the draft like I always do. Listen, that doesn't seem to be what's happening because honestly, you look at those games like you just said, Joe. They Those are winnable games for this Patriots team. I honestly think the toughest one for them is if they get by Thursday against the Rams, they're in business. If they can beat the Rams on Thursday, this team is in business because you know Bill Belichick is not going to let this team in a December game against the Bills and the Dolphins be no-shows. That's not going to happen. You know, as, as much as I doubted this team in the beginning of the season, that's just something that right now I don't see happening. So this is another thing we talk about on a regular basis, and Bobby, you just said it there. What's interesting about this team and this franchise is at least from – uh, we we've all kind of agreed on 07 at least from 07 to 2019 it was really bill and tom right prior to 07 we still said you know bills yeah tom's good but bill has has put this team where it needs to be and this year bobby it's not like you're talking about cam newton leading this team to the playoffs or or the defense leading this team to the playoffs we're all talking about bill belichick here right like when we when we talk about the patriots versus the rams it's because it's because of how enamored as you said mcveigh is with bill when we talk about the dolphins it's because it's one of his former assistant coaches um who they have already beat once this season and are now starting a rookie quarterback. So we're again, looking at bills record against rookie quarterbacks. We talk about the bills uh, and we talk about bills mind games with uh, McDermott up there in Buffalo. And then we talk about the jets and how bad they are. So yeah, there's a path, right? So, I mean, we, we have to, we have to give this team a chance. And Bobby, I remember after that buff, uh, after that Denver game, um, Ray and I were about to hop in the car and come out and pay you a visit in, in New York <laughs> but because of how you were talking about this. And, but, you know, looking back on it, but you like, weren't, you weren't wrong. Right. You weren't wrong. And so, it, and we're going to talk about coaches a lot more in, in our next segment. Um, but, one thing we have to bring up and we have to look at from a non-Patriot standpoint and look at it from an NFL standpoint, because we talked about this in our meeting last night. Uh, we've talked about it in, at other points. We can talk about good coaches. We talked about Mike Tomlin last night, uh, who the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, they just got their first loss against the, the Washington football team. We talk about, um, Andy Reid, who is also one of the best coaches of our generation. We talk about Pete Carroll, who's just a motivator and a very good coach. But none of those guys could do more. And I'm not saying this as a Patriots fan. This is as an NFL fan. None of those guys could do what Bill does with the rosters he builds mm-hmm. and the adversity that he he faces. And that you'd be surprised how much adversity a guy with six Super Bowl rings faces. And one thing that he is great at that those other three guys are, aren't good at that I just mentioned is clock management. And yeah. that's one of the biggest things at, at the end of the first half and at the end of the game uh, that these guys have to to deal with. And, and Bill's the best at it. And I think what really goes to show how this is all Bill to me is when the Patriots win this year, 
they win because of game plan. And you can see it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like from, from the beginning of that game, you're like, okay, Patriots are in this game and they're going to be in this game the entire time. When, when the game plan's off and something's wrong, they get smacked because they're not good. You know what I mean? Like they're not a good football team. So they don't have the talent or any kind of like big play ability to make up for lack of game plan. So as soon as they get that game plan right, like you saw it against the Cardinals, they just knew how to beat Kyler. They they stopped him from running. They 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 made Kyler beat him with his arm and he couldn't do it. You see it with the Ravens, same thing with Lamar. You see it last game um against the Chargers. You know what I mean? Just rookie quarterbacks. When Bill Game plans, it's game over, guys. It's game over. You know what I mean? So that's why this week, to me, is the game. If they can win this week, they they actually have a shot. There's a lot that needs to happen. Grant, there's a lot of teams they need to jump. They need a lot of people to lose. But two of those teams, they play. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's possible. It is. Yeah, and I mean, and you're, you're absolutely right. And, and like I said, it's mind blowing. And like Joe said, like we definitely was ready to pay you a visit after that after that Denver game. <laughs> um, but it's like we, you know, we we. I mean, honestly, and I and I remember saying this because I was like I said I was so mad. I was like, you can't lose a game like this to to this team. I don't care how bad this team is now. And you know, to your point about them being in every game, the only game they was out of it from the jump really was the San Fran game, right? So. Um, Kansas City, they was in it until, you know, Brian, you know, the worst quarterback. Uh, he, he looked like me out there, uh, you know, so, you know, take that for a sound bite. But that, that was that that was ridiculous how how bad he looked against Kansas City. Talking um, about getting in the car ready to beat someone up. That was yeah, you guys I, oh, that oh, night oh, after oh, oh, after oh my, he oh blew God. that first half. Oh, my points, God. Yeah. Oh. Ready to go. Cause, cause I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. Like you, you had you had him. You had him. And yes, to the to the to the Mahomes faithful out there that believes that he's invincible and you know i hey i i I get it bill has done very well against them early in his career that's just that's you know that that's just a fact so it's not something where it's like oh uh you know he just says dominates now um that that game was there to win and who knows maybe if we had cam running some of them plays instead of hoyer instead of who knows uh but i want to circle the waggers back to how uh we didn't we touched on it briefly because we, we talked about his numbers now um yes it was in a blowout yes there was no pressure um that's the best i've seen Stedham look since he's been here and and those few throws like that death and i mean even though it was a great play design that they they had uh throwing but that 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 picture catch he had to gunner shusky that was the best throw I've seen him make um, really since the preseason last year, right? So, and I think that's what people kind of got on the hype train and was trying to talk themselves into. And they're like, oh, okay, well, if he does what he does in the, in the preseason, maybe he'll have some type of a chance. But, you know, we didn't see it against the Jets last year. We didn't see it earlier this year against Kansas City. So, um, you know, that I think people kind of cooled on – well, not kind of. They did cool on the idea of him, you know, being the the quintessential leader or uh, predecessor to – um. Uh, to to Cam or to Brady or whoever's going to be there, so uh, we'll we'll see. But like I said, if, if they if they win Thursday night, um, you know, actually, you know, I'm I'm going to be defensive because I feel like I've been dancing. If they if they win Thursday night, they're going to run the table. I'm, I'm I'm putting out there right now, and I, I, yes, I don't disagree with you. Y'all want, want to sound like I'm I'm a homer? Fine, call me what you want. If they win Thursday night, which is which is feasible, and like I said, San Francisco let me know that Thursday was a winnable game. 
because of how they came in there and, and beat them a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I was worried about this game initially, but when I saw San Francisco do what they did, I'm po- I'm positive that Bill looked at that is looking at that tape and said, "Okay, we can attack them here, attack them there. We can do this. We can do that." So um, that that's just what it is. So if if New England wins Thursday, you can rest assured they're going to run the table, and you know who knows what can happen from there. Oh yeah, I can promise you this. You'll know within the first quarter. You'll know how that game is going to go because if the Pats are, like I said, if they're playing power football, that's the thing about their triple option is their triple option is power. That's what they need to do. When they get to the finesse triple option, you see camp maybe handing it off. You see him, maybe not. Then he runs outside. That's when it goes downhill. If they can sit there and just pound the Rams up the middle, they're in business, guys. Yeah, and, and don't forget that this Rams defense is pretty good, but they're the, off, the, the offense is okay. It's above average, but it's suspect. I mean, Jared Goff is serviceable, right? They have some good receivers. They have some good backs, uh, but it, it's it's not, you know, it's not Todd Gurley in the backfield, and um, they're they're not quite the Super Bowl season Rams that they they once were. So, but again, to to finish off the the Patriots uh, review preview and love fest here, we do we we do understand that the Patriots do not have a talented roster. They just don't. But it really comes down to Bill Belichick and game planning. And at this point in the season, where what he has on the field is finally healthy. Uh, whether we're talking about injuries or uh, COVID uh, cases, the, the team is healthy and they're moving in the right direction. The game plan seems right, and everybody's clicking. Number eleven, we need you. So come come back during the, come back against the, come back in that Miami game. Come down to get that some of that warm sun. I'll fly down to Miami. We can hit up Finger Lincoln on one twenty fifth. We can just we just have a good time, Julian. Uh, we need you back, brother. <laughs> if. <laughs> they, they, Jules, Jules would be a big help right now. That's for sure. Yeah, he, he would. Um, if if the Patriots have a chance to make the playoffs going into Week 17 or Week 16, like they they actually have a chance, and and it's a story in the NFL. To me, I know Stefanski's been Stefanski's been amazing. We haven't seen the Browns win in a long time. Hands down, Bill Belichick should be coach of the year. The the, the job it, it, there's it. There, it should be a guarantee to me to see the job that he's doing with this roster. If they actually have a chance to make the playoffs, this dude is the coach of the year. I'm sorry. He is. It's either him or Shanahan and Shanahan's not getting it because they're five and seven. But the things that he's done is just on special teams, on defense. It's just every week he's finding ways to put points on the board because he knows his offense can't. And it's just watching them play to me is just, it's beautiful, but it's so fucking frustrating because it's just like, how the fuck does this dude do this? It's unreal. I'm just so, I'm just so happy to hear you saying this, that I want to let you go. But there are 31 other teams, and uh, we no, you don't have you literally don't have to be sorry. This is literally just my segue. So, uh, there are 31 other teams, and there's a lot of other news. But if you're right, they run the table, they're 10 and six, there's a good chance they get in. There's seven teams in the playoffs this year, and uh, if they can squeak in, all you got to do is get in the tournament. We've seen it before, and you guys know what I'm going to say the nine and seven Giants did it against the 18 and 0 Patriots. Uh, in in tw- 2007 so anything is possible but we're going to move on to the rest of the nfl before we do we have a quick message from our sponsor boxo crafts but first this episode is being brought to you by boxo crafts 
Boxo is an arts and crafts focused kids subscription box. Boxo is a parent-run company that combines creativity and convenience in one monthly package, delivered right to your door. Boxo's premiere box, Boxo Holidays, contains four separate art projects to get you and your family into the holiday spirit. Whether it's Halloween, Hanukkah, or Easter, they've got you covered with holiday fun. Boxo, we can't wait to see you create. Check out BoxoCrafts.com and exclusively to our listeners, enter the promo code MTP for 15% off your first order. That's B-O-X-O crafts.com, promo code MTP. Thanks, Craig, and welcome back to episode 21 of Missing the Point. Joe Malkin, Bob Kelly, Rayshon Buchanan, and, well, you just heard from them, Craig D'Alessandro uh, helping us out here. And we're going to move on to the rest of the NFL. And as everyone, if you don't follow us on our Instagram, at underscore Missing the Point, head over there and check out the weekly NFL power rankings provided to you by uh, Bob Kelly and Bobby. Yeah, we don't know we, what the hell you're doing. If you don't follow us on Instagram. Well, that that's true what's going on here. Craig's been doing a great job. So again, uh, Craig will link this in the show notes. We love to tell Craig to links link things in the show notes. It's why I mentioned uh, all of our episodes, uh, but we would love you to go over to at underscore missing the point on Instagram and give us a follow. And you can do the same uh, over on Twitter as well. So Bobby, you provide us with your weekly rankings, your weekly power rankings every week. And uh, we've been doing the top 10, but this week we have a top 20 and uh, we will only be publishing the top 10 uh, on Instagram, but we have, we have a little bit of a shakeup for the first time in, in a few weeks and let's start with number 10 and we'll work our way up to number one. Uh, but you, you have some teams that are playoff teams outside the top 10, which is understandable because there will be a team in the twenties. If it comes out of the NFC East, that will be in the playoffs, but Bobby run us through your, your number 10 through number uh, six before we get into the top five. All right. Absolutely. Um, so number 10 to me, um, I know they just had a huge letdown this week. Uh, I still believe in them. Uh, I think that they're just a very hot and cold team. They go as Russ goes, and that's the Seattle Seahawks, number 10. Um, number nine, I have the Indi- Indianapolis Colts. Um, I've said this all season. They are the least interesting, most boring, good football team I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, it, yeah, but, in, but somehow they're still in every single game, and they're right there. Uh, they have a chance in the AFC for sure. Number nine, the Colts. Uh, number eight, we got the Rams. Um, I believe in the Rams. Um, that's why I think that, that, like we just said, I think that Patriots game against the Rams is their biggest one to go so far um, because I really do believe in that team. I think Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the NFL. Um, the only question I have with them is Jared Goff, but they're still right there. Number eight, the Rams. Number seven, I struggle to put them at number seven because I honestly think this team is frauds. And I know that's a crazy thing to say about a number seven team, but that's the Buffalo Bills. They looked amazing last night. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate on that. But to me, Josh Allen is a ticking time bomb. Again, he looked amazing last night. So it's crazy to say this right now, but I think if you put pressure and you get in his head, he's going to turn the ball over multiple times. Um, That's why I think the Patriots have a really good shot against them. Uh, number six, the Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen, up to number six. What a win this week against the Titans. Um, I believe in Baker after these last two weeks. I said this after OBJ went out. I think he is a prime candidate for the Ewing theory. As soon as he left, Baker Mayfield has looked like a different quarterback. Um, firing on all cinders. Number six, 
the Browns. So to, to recap, to recap your, your 10 through six, I, I agree with you on the Seahawks and, and Ray, we'll give you a, a, some time here too. I agree with you on the Seahawks. Uh, the Colts, I, I love the Colts. I think number nine is a good spot for them, but I'm a big fan of Frank Reich. Uh, Frank Reich is the head coach that, that it was the second choice of Jim Irsay and the Colts after Josh McDaniels decided not to get on the plane from, from Boston to, to India. I think it was a better choice. I think it was a better choice in the long run. Absolutely. And I, I think that with your quarterback situation in Indy right now with Phillip Rivers, uh, and they've been using Jacoby Brissett a lot, I think they've really done a good job of incorporating both of those guys into the offense. And I said a few weeks ago that I would like Phil, I would have liked Phillip Rivers in New England over Cam Newton. I still stick by that, but I think that Frank Reich as a head coach is a better guy to handle the personality of Philip Rivers than Josh McDaniels. And then number eight, the Rams, they're going to fall out of your top 10 because I do believe they're going to lose to the Patriots. That doesn't mean I don't believe in their defense. They have Jalen Ramsey. They have Aaron Donald. They have a, a, they have a very good team and they have a very good team on offense. Uh, I just don't think Sean McVay, who is no older than any of us doing this podcast, which is still mind blowing to me. Um, I just don't think he's there yet in terms of experience. Sure. He's been to a Super Bowl, um, and Stan Kroenke has given him everything he wants. He won't give the fans what they want, but he'll give his coach what he wants. Uh, but that's a different podcast for a different time. And uh, he's, he will be successful and continue to be successful and they'll give him the team and the resources. Um, I, I just, I think they're more fraudulent than the team you put above them in the Buffalo bills. I honestly believe that, that Allen is growing by the week. And I think his composure is getting better. His, his throws, his arm is the most. It's unbelievable, um, man. It's great. He, He's got an unbelievable arm, but he's like Ricky Vaughn. He can throw it a mile, but he doesn't know where it's going. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's very interesting to watch him play uh, and see what he can do as a quarterback. I don't necessarily agree with you that the Bills are frauds. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl, but the team in that top 10 that I, I, think I like the most are the Browns. I said this the other night. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is a cancer in that locker room. Mm -hmm. He was in New York before he left. When he got to Cleveland, he was okay to start with, right? Like he brought, he got, he got Jarvis Landry there from Miami. He, uh, him and Baker and, and, Jarvis really got along and everything well, went well. It was the, the other way around, wasn't it? No, didn't he? Jarvis brought Sorry, Jarvis OBJ was in, there. Yeah. yeah, Jarvis was there. He brought OBJ in. Everything was good. They bring in Kareem Hunt. They draft Nick Chubb. They get Baker Mayfield. All these guys had kind of have similar personalities, right? They're um, they're eccentric. They they love to to. Not, I don't want to say show off or showboat, but they be the they guy. To, yeah, they love to be the guy. But that's the problem. Uh, Odell starts, um, uh, you know, saying, "I need the ball more. I need the ball more." And you see Baker start to force him the ball, and the Browns just they they looked off. They didn't look good. And him him not being in the lineup, I think you're right. It's the Ewing effect. I, I think it's it's going to be great for that team uh, in the long run. Ray, what are your thoughts on ten through six? Uh, Russ, the best thing you got going right now is is Sierra. So, hey, hey, Sierra, how you doing, baby? DK Metcalf would like to argue with you on that point. No, but I, I mean, but to to only score twelve points against the Giants, and granted, DK Metcalf had a decent game, but I mean, I mean, come on, I mean, damn, like they were this, off. I mean, they, they were yeah, off. From the they were, but, yeah, but I mean, but they, they've they've been off a few times this 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 year, and once again, mm-hmm. they were a goal line stand away from losing to us too. So, um, 
maybe they're not as real as you know they came off to be. Um, and listen, we could kill that noise about Russell Wilson being the MVP after losing this type of game. Sorry, like it's that that's that's not that's not working. And then you know, far as Josh Allen, uh, you know, this is where you know Craig, if you want to jump in, you can. Uh, me and Craig have said it on this show. We said it earlier in the year that Josh Allen was going to lead Buffalo to winning the AFC East. He did. And we talked about him being that guy. Now they convinced Joe to take him. Yeah, you know, so uh, he didn't really convince. He was he he just kind of it was a two against one uh, ordeal. So that that's just that's just what happened. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> majority um, wins and the voting isn't rigged. Yeah, when 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 the speaker of the house dick isn't on the table. That's right. So that, that that's what happens. So he um, you know, and and like I said, that that wheel route that he threw last night. Um, I forget to who, but it wasn't Gabriel Davis. I forget the guy he threw it to, but that that was a hell of a play. Um, and like I said, I mean, outside of Mahomes, I'm not sure there's anyone that has a better arm than than Josh Allen. Like it's unreal. Um, and then far as Cleveland goes, like I to me, see, I don't like I know, and I'm surprised Joe didn't say this. Maybe he was waiting for me to say it, and I might I might have him fall off his his couch when he, when I say this, but um. OBJ is kind of like the Kyrie of the of the NFL. Yes, yep. He's not as bad though. He's not as bad. Kyrie's so much worse. Kyrie is worse. Now, it, and this is weird, and you know, you guys may disagree because I just called him Kyrie, but I I do feel like if uh, if he was here, you wouldn't see half of that stuff that he was doing. I agree with that. I I, I, I and I'm like, not I at, not at first. I think that, yeah, not at first, but I I just I just still feel like because it's weird. Remember. Love Chad Ochocinco. He loved him. I'm, I'm, I can argue that Chad Ochocinco was more of a personality than OBJ would ever be. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But he, but he, but he, but Bill, but Bill Lo- loves, also loves loved OBJ. Him. He loves OBJ. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like had, um, you know, the Giants have said, hey, you know, we're gonna trade you him. I mean, granted, I think Brady's still here. If we have OBJ thing, but, uh, <laughs> but that's a whole other uh, conversation. But I, I just think that uh, Cleveland has been awesome. And you know, you know, shout out to the Browns fans that have held it down. You know, yeah. you guys have not. I'm had happy for him. I'm uh, happy for him. A, a decent team. You know, um, you know whether it was a, uh, you know, was it was was it was it Kelly Kelly Holcomb and was it Kelly Holcomb? Yeah, Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, Kelly Holcomb. Um, and, you know, Derek, Dennis North Dennis Northcutt. Here we yeah, go. Um, this, is, this is what you were talking yeah, about. You know, so yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what you were talking about. Going to yeah, the yeah, deep, deep dark happens, depths of it, it, sorry, Browns sorry. football. No, sorry, quick. right. Sorry, that's that's right. Yeah, sorry. That's not that's not you know. Welcome to the, Cle- the Cleveland Browns revisionist history. But no, um, Ruben drones. Ruben's all right. <laughs> so anyway, all right. We got to hang on. I'm taking control no, of myself. This is about the Browns. I actually have a legitimate question. Okay. So so not. So Ruben, no, just kidding. So when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to the Seahawks, right? So I, 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 I get them at ten because they do go up and down so much. The teams behind them. This is why I had trouble taking them out of the top ten, right? We have the Titans, the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals. Would you legitimately take any of those three teams and put them above the Seahawks? No, well, and then to- this week, no. No, and that's then what to I go mean. even so, lower than that, you have the, the Raiders, the Ravens, and the Giants. And now it, what, what's interesting is, is you guys, you just mentioned it, um, you know, about the the Giants and how, you know, they were they were beaten by a Colt McCoy-led Giants team. I'm kind of a believer in the Giants, man, to be honest. Listen, listen, you got to go back and you got to watch the games. And, and I, I, I mean this wholeheartedly because I thought it last night – when I was watching that giant Seahawks game, you have to go back and look at the common opponents that the giants and the Patriots have. 
and look look at the results that the Giants have over the teams that the Patriots have played after the Patriots have played them because Joe Judge came from the New England Patriots. I think Joe Judge might be an underrated head coach. And I said it I said it weeks ago, weeks ago that the New York Giants would win the NFC East. I because they got hot and they started now granted Dallas doesn't look terrible tonight. I mean, it's coming down to the second quarter as we, at the end of the second quarter, as we record this and they're driving against the Ravens, uh, the, the football team beat the, the best team in the NFL, at least on paper last night, right. As Mike likes to say, no paper champions, uh, the, the giants beat the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, the Eagles still stink, but, we're we're looking at an entertaining finish to the season in the NFC East, but I think that Giants team is underrated. And you having them at sixteen, Bobby, I really like that. I I, I think that if we were to post the whole rankings, people would go nuts about that. But like, uh, if you look at their schedule, right? You look at the teams the Giants have lost to. There's really not any bad football teams that they lost to. Week one, Steelers. They lost to the Bears when the Bears were still the pretty Bears. good. Right? They were still good. Um, they lost to the Rams. They lost to the Cowboys the week Dak got hurt. Uh, the Bucks in a close, great game. And then we have the Giants. They, I mean, the Giants. They beat the Eagles, beat the Bengals, beat the football team, and beat the Bengals, and then beat the Seahawks. Like, so they're, beating the, they're beating the teams that they should beat, uh, and then they're losing to the teams that they should lose to, except for the Seahawks. In close games, though, that's the thing. Is like These games are all close, every single one of them. In a year where they're trying to figure it out, and thank goodness they're for them, they're in a bad division, right? So before we go off on now a Giants tangent, let's get into your top five. Your number five uh, is interesting to me, but I'll, I'll handle that in my recap. Uh, so number five, I have the Dolphins. I'm a big believer in the Dolphins. Um, I really think this team, it, to me, I, I think it's the Belichick tree thing. They remind me a lot of the Patriots, but a better version of them where they don't need to play great offense. They don't need to to make these big plays that other teams need to make because they just play sound, solid football from beginning to end. Um so I think that's why the Dolphins have a legit chance to all right, a legit chance to lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. They have a legitimate chance to do that. Uh, number four, I think this is going to cause some controversy. They just lost their first game last night. Uh, the only reason they are at number one prior to this is because they were undefeated. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at number what? four. I, what? Think, I, I honestly think <laughs> what we saw last night is the team they are. They almost lost to the Cowboys. Um, they they play down to their competition so much. And to me, the Steelers are a prime candidate to go 15-1 and one and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. I think they are a prime candidate. Prime candidate for that. Um, the reason I put them at four is because I think head-to-head, these next three teams beat the Steelers, and they beat them pretty easily. When they're at full health. I don't know if number two would write this moment. Full health, they would. Number three, the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers, to me, is on a mission this year. I know they have up and down weeks, but when Aaron Rodgers is on, that team is unbeatable. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are such a combo together. It's so beautiful to watch. Uh, Number two, the Saints. Um, Sean Payton, he's another one where I think that he is such a candidate for coach of the year. To be able to be 
the number one seed in the NFC after losing Breeze. And even before that, Breeze wasn't even playing great. He hasn't had Michael Thomas all year. This team hasn't been full house, and they are the number one seed in the NFC. Granted, it's a flawed NFC, but they literally haven't had their team for one week so far this season. And they're in their number one seed. Number two is Saints. Number one, to me, everyone's playing catch up. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to need something special to beat the Chiefs. You're going to need them to be off. You're going to need them to play a terrible game like they did against the Raiders. And even then, you still might not have a chance. The Kansas City Chiefs are by far and away the best team in football. And it's not even close to me. You have been waiting for the Steelers to lose. So, so you can put the Chiefs at number Dude. one for weeks. For weeks. Let me, I, I'm going to start with number five in the Dolphins. And and Ray, Ray is going to love this because he and I have talked about this before. Brian Flores. If Bill Belichick were not the coach of the New England Patriots, Brian Flores would be the best coach in the AFC East. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is managing that team correctly. I think he's managing his quarterbacks correctly. I also think Ryan Fitzpatrick is just a, a model citizen and a good human being. And I think he understands what needs to be done for the team. And I, I mean, no one gets more excited for Tua to succeed than, than he does, than Fitzpatrick does. Because I think he, I mean, he's a journeyman, right? He's he's not over the hill because we can we know he can still play. And there's video of him wearing short shorts and his thighs are incredible. Like, I, I wish I had those legs. <laughs> but but that team, they have Miles Gaskins. Miles Gaskins, they have uh, Devontae Parker. They have Matt Breida there. Tua Tagovailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Mike Kosicki at, at tight end. They have some very good young receivers. Uh, uh, the, Matt Collins, which I, I think Ray mentioned him on another show, but Jakeem Grant, um, you know, and, and their offensive line, I mean, they have Ted Karras, former Patriot. I, I mean, we're you, that's just a good team. And, and They're just a football team, man. They, they, just, they, I mean, just, they just play ball. That's Jerome fine. Jerome Baker, Kyle Van Noy, and Alandon Roberts are, are your are your linebackers. Like it's the Patriots moved south. I mean, maybe Tom actually wanted to move a little bit souther and go souther a little bit more south and go play for Brian Flores. But I I really like this Miami team. The only problem I have with you putting them five in in the rankings, and we've talked about this, mm-hmm. is the fact that the Bills are probably going to win this division, and the Dolphins probably uh, hopefully get overtaken by the Patriots in the AFC stand AFC East standings. But I think it's safe. I, I could actually, and, and we all heard Ray get a little wound up about the Steelers be, falling to number four. I, I have an issue with that too, but I'll, I'll kind of spoil my number three. I actually think the dolphins are in a better situation than the Packers. And, and, and I'll tell you why in just a second at number four, you have the Steelers. I think it's fair because I think the Saints are better than them, but I think the Steelers are better than the Packers. Um, I, I think the Packers have a, a great coaching staff. They have, they still have Aaron Rodgers, but the Steelers are just so dynamic. I mean, they, and and if they if they have James Conner last night, it, it may be a different story. Um, but they had had some COVID issues as well, and we can't blame it on that. And I've been preaching that all year, right? And that's what I said to Bobby. That's what I said to you about the Patriots. Like, if they're playing, they got to be there. If they can't do their job, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be playing. So I think the Steelers at four is fair. The Packers, I think, are a little high. Um, we've seen this team 
and you mentioned the Steelers could be that team that goes 15 and one and loses in the first round. We've seen that from the Packers so many times. An Aaron Rodgers led Packers team that goes into the playoffs looking great. They're high flying, they're dynamic. You know, these guys have Aaron Jones, they they have Devontae Adams, they they have all of these pieces on offense. They're high flying and dynamic, but they just they can never finish. And I, I, I just don't like them at three because I see that coming for them again. Um, the Saints, man, I sh- shoot. I, they've been saying that, that Taysom Hill was going to be the guy after Drew Brees anyway, and this is like a tryout for this kid. And honestly, he's getting better week by week. He really is. And he's I, unbelievable I think, last week. And I, and I think that Sean Payton has what it takes to coach this guy. And, and I mean, Drew Brees was never a mobile quarterback right he was never what Taysom Hill can be but I mean Drew Brees is a better quarterback than Taysom Hill we, we know that Taysom Hill also hasn't reached his ceiling and Drew Brees is still playing at the top of his game at 38 years old so and then the Chiefs I I'm with you on the Chiefs I mean they're just so good and their defense honestly I think their defense is underrated I think they have a really really good team I I'm a fan of your top 10 all the way around I mean I, I think you have the right teams in there um but I mean, it's it's so interesting. This this league is really heating up as we come into the last four weeks of the season, right? So so glad you asked. Um, all right. So yeah, what you have something to say about it? Yeah, right, 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 right. What do you got to say? Okay, so I mean, Miami at five. Okay, great. I mean, whatever they've they've done really well. Um, you know, we talked about Tua being the answer eventually. Like, I'm just not sure why people thought that Fitzpatrick should still be the guy if Tua was healthy and he showed him enough of practice to be on the field, which he did. So just Fitzpatrick wasn't faltering just to rebut that Fitzpatrick was playing well enough not to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, whatever. He, he's never been someone, even when they went nine to seven in, in Buffalo and New York, he threw the pick at the end of the game. Like, I mean, please. So he, he he's, never, he's never been someone that I thought like, Oh my gosh, he's going to get us there. So I feel, that, I that's, feel like that's, that's why I think they did that because it didn't matter. You know what I mean? I feel like they, they, they saw the tape. They saw what happened. They're like, okay, we're the same team, whether we have Ryan Fitzpatrick or our rookie quarterback who's our future. Let's play our rookie quarterback who's the future. They're going to be better with, with Tua. We know that. But the, but Fitzpatrick can, can manage the game. And maybe, Ray, they didn't realize what they had at first, and they were going with Fitzpatrick, like like you just said, let's see what Tua has in practice and, and what he can bring to the table. And this is what I'm talking about, Brian Flores. He made that switch at the exact right time. He like, he knew exactly what he was doing. And he made the move and, and went with it. And, you know, I, I understand we all talk about uh, Brady and Garoppolo of the of the past here in New England, but maybe uh, maybe Belichick and Kraft can take a, a few notes out of Brian Flores' book. But carry on. It boggles my mind that, because they lost again, the now they dropped to four. But then you praise the Saints because they have had injuries as if Pittsburgh's been healthy all year. You lose Devin Bush. You lose uh, – I forget who they just lost last week. I forget the guy's name. But, I mean, T.J. Watts played out of his mind. So, I mean, he's been great. Megan Fitzpatrick's been awesome. But they haven't been healthy all year themselves. And as far as James Conner goes, I mean, whether he's been in there or not, then this is not the James Franco – Emma Zeroway, Jerome Bettis, this is not those guys. They're not, they're not running, they're not running through the door. So they've been, yeah, they've been 20, they've been 29th, 30th, and 31st, I think, the last few years in running. So they're, they're, I mean, as far as rushing. So they're not, that's not 
that's no longer their identity. So we still think of the steel curtain and those guys running through everybody. Those, those teams are gone. It's it's a throwing league. They got Claypool. They got Juju. They got Deontay Johnson. Um, that's their identity now. That's fine. But losing one game and just because you don't win with style points and I know we're so big on that, especially, you know, cause we got ruined by college football. Like, Oh, you know, you have to be the team 45 to six, or you have to be the team 77 to eight or whatever. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, did you get the win? And 11 times out of 12, which is a nine, you know, nine, 10 winning percentage, they found a way to get the job done. So are they still, you know, they're, they're top two. And to me, they're right behind, they're right behind Kansas City now. So I'm fine with that. Like Kansas City should be number one since they both have one loss. I'm cool with that. Um, but that's the only switch I would make in that top five. Say, you know, putting New Orleans back at number four. Yes, they've won a lot in the road. Taysom Hill has been awesome, even though people thought that he wasn't going to do much for some reason. But I'm like, he's showing y'all that he can ball when, when he's been out there. So to think that he wasn't, and hello, he got drafted as a quarterback, y'all. He didn't come in here as a wide receiver. He didn't come in here as a safety. He didn't come in here as a fullback or a tight end. He played quarterback at BYU, y'all. So stop being a Monday morning quarterback or armchair quarterback. The man can ball. He's not Tebow. He's not even as much as I love Tebow. He's, you know, he's, he's not in that mode. He's much better and he's showing him. And that's why he's not going to get the respect that he gets is because people think he was like a Tim couch where they were trying to draft him as a wide receiver. You're absolutely right. Or he was drafted as a yeah, quarterback. Tebow, yeah, Tebow. Hey, sure. As Tebow, but Tebow, but, couch, but, Tebow but Tebow was drafted as a quarterback. They, the Browns didn't want to draft him couch as a quarterback, right? Like there's been guys in the past. I mean, Edelman, wait, Edelman actually, was drafted, Tim Ka- yeah. no, Tim, Tim couch. The team that was going to draft him, Eric Crouch. Maybe not. Eric Crouch. I'm Eric sorry, Crouch. Eric, 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 Eric Crouch. They were gonna. Eric they okay. were gonna. Yeah, do you yeah. want to say Eric Crouch five more times, or you want me to? Keep yeah, going? shout out to Nebraska. But uh, no, uh, right. So right, <laughs> you guys know who I'm talking about. But Eric Crouch was was drafted as a wide receiver. He retired. So same thing with Julian Edelman. He was a quarterback drafted as a wide receiver. Taysom Hill was drafted as a quarterback and then proved that. And I think he knew Drew Brees was going to be there for a while. So he said, well, I'll do whatever you, whatever I got to do to get on the field, I'll do it. And he was good enough because of who he was at BYU. And I said this to a friend the other day. I just hope he gets the respect that he deserves as a quarterback and not by the league, but by the, the fans. And he's not going to get it because of those exact reasons you just said. But man, this kid can play and he is the future of the New Orleans Saints. Can I can I give one since you guys brought him up? I want to give one Tim Tebow hot take where I think if Tim Tebow had the attitude that Taysom Hill did day one coming in, where he knew he knew he had to prove himself to get to be a quarterback, he had to prove himself on the football team as a football player. And that's what Taysom Hill did. He played special teams, he played wide receiver, he did whatever they asked, exactly like you said. And I think if Tim Tebow had that attitude coming in, he honestly was a better athlete and a better football player than Taysom Hill is. And I think he would have been more successful in those roles than Taysom Hill was. And I think we'd be talking about a whole different thing. I mean, you, you, you talk, you're talking to a Gators fan. So, no, of, of course. Like, I mean, I, I, I love Tebow. I'm just saying, like, he – I mean, remember, that team was 1-4. and four. He comes in. They go 7-4. and four, They make the playoffs. You know, I mean, the rest was history. But – um yeah, he was just so he was just so stuck on being a quarterback that he wasn't going to say, "Okay, I'm going to be a fullback. I'm going to be a tight end if you need me to be." Which he definitely definitely could have been. He, he had the wherewithal to do all that, but it just didn't happen that way. Sorry, um, T- it, Tebow it, it tangent. Is is. My bad, Tebow no. tangent. We've gone Sorry. off on a few. Dude. Tebow, uh, Tebow tangents. Tell, tell me about tangents your, are okay. Your, uh, Tebow tangents are okay. T- 
tell me about your thoughts on the number one pick there, Ray. The number one pick. Oh, but can't, oh, can't, I mean, Kansas City, you know, it has been the cream of the crop and they'll continue to do so. Now, I wouldn't say the defense is underrated. I just think their defense does enough because you can when you have, you know, a guy like Mahomes backing you up. So, you know, they're, they're, they're good. They're, they'll get the job done um, as they've done so many times before. But I just, I just think that I mean, it's funny because I saw this on NFL uh, Good Morning, but, and I actually agree with this, but they, you know, they had mentioned like, you know, Kansas City is not really blowing out their opponents. Like they're very methodical like with how they year. do. Yeah, you know, then, yeah, not they were last year, you know. So it's like you know they they can they can and will give up thirty in the game. Like they gave a thirty to to Carolina, they gave a forty to to the Raiders. So they are vulnerable. Just to think, you have to go score for score, and in most teams, because most teams can't, that's where you know you're basically defeated as soon as you come off the bus because you just feel like, well, there's no way we can stop them, and if it's fourth and two or less. Andy Reid is going to embarrass you and they're going to go for it. And then now it's, 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 it's halftime and you're down 28 to nothing. It's like, well, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so, but yeah, no, KC is definitely number one team though. Do you think KC is good enough? Last thing I'll say about them and we can get onto the coaches. Do you think they're good enough that they do it on purpose? They, they almost seem like that kind of team that they do feel like they can turn it right. They can turn it on and off at will. To the point where they're not showing. That's why I think Kansas City is almost unbeatable because I think that they have a whole nother level that we haven't seen yet. So one one thing one thing that that Patrick Mahomes said and and things that we've seen on TV and just in in interviews and highlights of him. One thing he said that his first year in the NFL, he didn't even know how to read a defense, and he still played the way he did out of his mind because he's just a natural athlete with a high football IQ. And then you, I mean, we've seen him, we, we have seen him make eye contact with officials as he's looking for, for flags. We've seen him do things on the football field that he just does as him because he is a different dude. No look passes. The no look, but like he is, he's just a different dude. He just, he, he, he processes the game a different way. And the game moves slower for him. And and that is one thing that this Kansas City team has that no other team has is a guy is a guy like that. That that's that's that athletic. I mean, yeah, yeah, the Bucks might have that, but he's 43. So sure, the game is different to Tom Brady as well. But man, she's I, I, I just can't I couldn't say enough about Patrick Mahomes. But real quick, I have I have three rapid fire questions for you guys. I want uh, yes or no answers to the first two, and I want a team to the third one. I'm not gonna. We're we're not gonna expand on it because we we don't want to go forever. And I do want to get to this coach's topic. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Ray Sean, you're gonna get the to answer the first question. Are the Tennessee Titans frauds? No. Bobby, are the Tennessee Titans frauds? No. Are the Cleveland Browns for real, Bobby? Absolutely. Ray Sean. Yes. Who will win the NFC East? Ray. Giants. Bobby. God damn. I don't want to agree with him. I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to, Giants. Giants is definitely winning it. You know what? It's a great story. The only thing I'll expand on that, it's a great story in Washington. The, uh, besides the fact that their owner is a 
joke, trashy human being. Uh, mm-hmm. But with their their head coach, we I think I think everybody in the NFL loves Ron Rivera, and and we hope that that he's good going down the road. Anybody that has to go through something like that, we've all had family members and friends that have had to go through cancer and cancer treatments. And this dude is he. Here's another guy that's built different, right? Like he's out here looking like hell, looking like he should be uh, not on his deathbed, but at least in bed. He looks he, like crap. But he's out there, and he and his team is balling for him right now, and and that's just it's that's great for Ron Rivera. That's the difference is the two teams at the top have a coach and a staff that the team believes in, and they're playing hard because of their coach. I don't know if you guys heard the interview that Logan Ryan had a little while ago, but he was talking about how awesome uh, Joe Judge is because his wife got sick and like this whole thing happened, and how much he believed in him and let him do his thing. It, I just love Joe Judge. I think he's a great coach. Sometimes it does come out to being a good, a good human being, right? Yeah. So there's, there's your message for the night. You, you can be good at what you do by just being a good person. So the last topic I want to get coaches. on, well, bad coaches. I mean, those guys can be good people too. We all are like, I'm not saying there's a correlation here, uh, but sometimes. Um, so the the last topic I want to touch on tonight is coaches that are on the hot seat, uh, guys. We've seen. Three NFL coaches fired during the season. Uh, the first one was Bill O'Brien of the Texans. After week six, the team was one and five. Bill O'Brien was relieved of his duties. Uh, Dan Quinn, the Falcons were one and seven. He was relieved of his duties. Matt Patricia, they were five and six under Patricia. They're now one and zero under Daryl Bevel, who took over. So Daryl Bevel, who was the offensive coordinator in his second season, takes over as over his interim head coach. Uh, Bill O'Brien is relieved of his duties. Uh, they are the Texans are three and three, and actually looking like a, a good team under Romeo Cornell, uh, who he was the uh, ass- associate head coach uh, in his first season. Previously, he had been serving as a defensive coordinator coordinator and defensive assistant. He's in his seventh season overall. Uh, He is also the oldest head coach in NFL history. There's your trivia for the day. The oldest head coach in NFL history, Romeo Cornell patching, passing George Hallis. And then the, the other one is Raheem Morris taking over the helm of the Falcons. Uh, The team was one and seven under Dan Quinn. And the Falcons are now three and one under Raheem Morris and actually looking like a good football team defensive coordinator prior to taking over as interim head coach guys. We've seen some, some bad teams in the NFL this season. Um, We've, we've heard of some guys that are on the hot seat. Now three coaches have been uh, relieved of their duties since 2000. That has happened two other times, only one time. Only one time since 2000 have four coaches been relieved of their duties in season, and that was in 2010 when the 49ers uh, fired Mike Singletary, the Broncos fired Josh McDaniels, the Vikings fired Brad Childress, and the Cowboys fired Wade Wade Phillips. Um, That was one of the happiest days of my life. Right? So after week 13, or I shouldn't say after, because we, as we record this, are in the midst of the final game of week 13. There are six coaches that are reportedly on the hot seat, and here they are. Adam Gase of the Jets, that team is 0-12. Doug Marone of the Jaguars, that team is 1-11. You have Doug Peterson of the Eagles, that team is 3-8-1. Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, that team is 3-9. Vic Fangio, 4-8 Broncos. And Matt Nagy, 5-7 Bears. Guys, we talked about coaches a little bit earlier, right? We talked about a lot of the really good ones, the Pete Carrolls, the Bill Belichicks, the Andy Reeds, the Mike Tomlins, 
of the NFL. Um, I don't think all of these coaches are bad coaches, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, Bobby, of those six, I don't want to play the game of who's going to be the next one to lose their job, but who's the next one that's going to lose his job? So two stand out to me. Um, Anthony Lynn is one just because of I've never seen a team blow so many leads by just strictly absurd, questionable decisions by the head coach. I love Anthony Lynn. I watched that. I watched that uh, Hard Knocks, and I was an Anthony Lynn believer, man. I was in. Felt like Morgan Freeman was sitting there talking to me, head coach of the Chargers. It was unbelievable. But man, when I saw him two weeks ago, call a timeout. I've never seen. I've never seen a head coach do this before in my entire life. It's fourth and three. There is forty-five seconds left in the second quarter. About to go to halftime. The clock is running. Right, so you can run the clock down to three seconds, two seconds. Call a timeout, throw a hail mary. This dude calls a timeout of forty three seconds left, and then punts the ball. So you literally just called the timeout in order to give the other team an extra possession. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Um, the other one is the one is a favorite to me. I think he should already be gone. Uh, this is for DK, and that's Matt Nagy. Um, the offense I see in Chicago is absolute blasphemy. That team is awful, man. That offense is so bad. And it starts with the play calling. Because when you see fourth and six and you're running a quarterback draw or you're running a halfback like stretch or a screen, like it's just like, what are you doing? It's like, like I said in the chat the other day, it's like Scott Winahan is the head coach of the Chicago Bears. And he was the worst offensive coordinator I've ever seen. Also a guy that was fired uh, in season as a head coach. Right. So that's so oh, Lions, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt Nagy to me is the favorite. Uh, I think he should have already been gone. DK wanted him gone when they were five and one. And now they're five and seven. Matt Nagy needs to go. Ray, what, your, what are your thoughts on this list of six guys? And again, don't want anybody to lose their job, but who should be next to lose their job? Doug Marone. Uh, down in Jacksonville need, needs to go. You know, um, they got crowned the AFC champions in 2017 uh, without even winning. You know, you had Miles Jack, you had Leonard Fournette, you had Blake Bortis, who was supposed to be Roethlisberger 2.0, um, you know, A.J. Bouye. You know, you had all these guys on that team that was supposed to be next up, and, oh, they're going to they're gonna be the contenders for the next two years. And then, you know, yes, some guys left or whatever. You know, I know they had uh, Dante Fowler as well. Telvin Smith. Yeah, that was yeah, Telvin Smith. So all that. So it's like they had a really good uh nucleus there. And then just like that, you know, they're they're gone, right? And you know, the days of wishing their glory days with, you know, Brunel and Jimmy Smith and those guys are not gonna go down that dark history. But that's you know, th- those days were gone. So uh Doug Marone needs to needs to go. Um I'm not in agreement about Anthony Lynn going once again, two years ago that they were just 12 and four um, and had a chance, you know, and beat Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Now, granted, they did. They didn't come up to New England prepared at all. Like the game was over. Soon they got off the bus. Like it was a joke. It was over. Yeah, exactly. To, to, put, <laughs> to put it, to put it lightly, you know? So I do think that they're a team that's just never fully been healthy. And if they are healthy, they're, they're very good. And once again, he, he said it himself, we were building, we were building in the right direction. 
and then has it been it. Listen, they found their quarterback now. Justin Herbert has been a hit. Uh, Bobby was right about that. I didn't think he was going to be. I didn't trust the quarterback from Oregon. I don't trust quarterbacks from the West Coast anyways, for the most part, uh, for the Pac-12, so Pac-10, whatever it was at that time. Excuse me. So, uh, but I mean, I, I can't disagree. Matt Nagy has to go. You can't be five and one and, you know, basically running the NFC North and then you lose not one, not two, not three, but six straight. It's, it's, un, it's unacceptable. And, you know, hey, you know, pack, pack your bag, sir. And, um, you know, enjoy the holidays with your family. Yeah, you know, before early in the season, before the season started, there was a few a few of these guys on on my list, and that was Adam Case, Doug Marone, and Vic Fangio. And Doug Peterson was was close uh, to to that list. Um, Anthony Lynn to me was never on that list. I kind of echo Ray a little bit here. They were twelve and four two years ago. Granted, that was with Philip Rivers, right? Like, but prior to the season, they couldn't decide who they wanted as their quarterback. I'm almost thinking that that Anthony Lynn was pressured into j- taking Justin Herbert, and maybe didn't want to. But why would you want Tyrod Taylor as your guy all the way through? Um, I just don't see him as a as a long term solution. Uh, no, right? So so, but at the same time, it makes me his, it makes me feel like I can't breathe, like my lungs punctured or something. So, but Anthony, Anthony Lynn just signed an extension in, in February, like before all the COVID stuff happened before the season was in doubt, you know? Yeah. But you know what? He, he's, he's such a tough one because it's, he has it's been the making, way it's happened, man. He's been right, making it's, some it's, bad decisions. Like he doesn't know. He didn't know when, when to name that, like everything that, that I said that was positive about, uh, Brian Flores in Miami, Anthony Lynn has done the exact opposite in LA. And it blows my mind that this guy, he's a great coach. Like I really do believe that he is an above average to very good head coach and will be in the NFL for a long time. I just think he has to understand how to make his decision. And you know what? Maybe the Chargers ownership, because we, and and I always preach the bad ownership angle. Um, Maybe ownership is a problem. We, I mean, we, it's the same owners that had this team in San Diego, and they they unlawfully, uh, uh, unrightfully moved them to L.A., whatever. So maybe there's a rift there, and we just don't know about it. Um, you know, uh, Doug Peterson uh, of the Eagles, I just think what they have there is over, and it's time to move on and, and go with the next guy. He's not my leading candidate to be fired next of these six, but I really do think it's just in, in Philadelphia. Like, let the season happen. The The NFC East is a bad division. Like, so what? Just let it finish off. Like, if Mike McCarthy isn't going to get fired when his team doesn't even want to play with him, then just play for him. Just let Doug Peterson stay until the end of the year. We talked about Adam Gase on the Slack channel the other day. I think Adam Gase is the worst head coach in the NFL. I, I honestly do. I, I think he's absolutely and and people and people can look back and go, well, he took the Dolphins to the playoffs. Well, great. I mean, Joe Philbin wasn't a good head coach in the NFL either, but he built a team that Adam I like Gase Joe then, Philbin. I, I I still don't think he's a very good head coach. I liked him. He's a good coordinator. Yeah. He's a great. Yeah, sure. But uh, and I mean, that, that's kind of how I feel about Josh McDaniels. I, I mean, I don't think he's a great coordinator right now, but I think he's a good coordinator in the right situation and a bad head coach. But right. um, 
Then Doug Marone, I, I honestly think that the Jaguars are just trying to play themselves into Spurs Stadium in London. I, I, I honestly do. I think that the Jaguars owner is just trying to get that team out of the country, be the first international franchise in the NFL. He's building a fan base. He loves playing three, two or three games a year over mm-hmm. in London. Obviously, that didn't happen this year, but he was. they were slated to play two over there this year, had everything gone the right way. He doesn't want to play in Mexico. He'll never go down there. Even Bill Belichick will agree to go play in Mexico. But but the Jaguars owner only wants to play in London. That's weird. So I think Doug Marone and and that guy are just trying to play themselves into London. And and I just think Doug Marone's a bad head coach. Vic Fangio also not very good. Um, but you know it's what they have in Denver right now. Have you been to Atlantic Ave in Jacksonville, Joe? So you wouldn't want to play over there either. So I I, I don't Tony Khan. I don't blame you, dog. Like I I'd, I'd go play in London too. And and just have you know have a have a blast over there. Like I heard, ja- I've heard Jacksonville is awful. It is dude, like yo. I'm hey sorry to my it to my homies in Duval County. My my bad, but I'm sorry. Like ain't nothing good over there outside of Zaxby's. But I feel Duval. like that's, I feel like I feel like Jacksonville type of city <laughs> where like you don't need to the you don't need to worry about the people living there hating you for saying it sucks because if you say it to them they're like yeah dude that fucking sucks here <laughs> you know <laughs> like, but to to answer the question I answered at the beginning who's the next guy to go it really should be Matt Nagy like it I, has I, to I be, could ma'am. I I could make I could make excuses for all the other coaches as to why they're staying even Adam Gase it's the tank for Trevor he'll go at the end of the year once they once Trevor I Lawrence once Trevor Lawrence uh, uh, declares for the draft, which I have a take on that part too. Uh, but I, it's it's got to be Matt Nagy. I mean, you you started five and one, and DK was calling for your for your job then, and then you go zero and six, and he doesn't know who he wants to play a quarterback either. It, it's like having two ex girlfriends, and you just keep dating one of them to see which one likes you the most at the end of the day. And it's like, all right, Matt, like get over yourself and move on. Pick one. It, it just rule of thumb there. You never go from two to one. You will always forever go from two girlfriends to zero girlfriends. Like he's going to go from two quarterbacks to zero quarterbacks because he's gone. This is a real life scenario that Bob Kelly has. No, uh, no, it is not. No, it is not. Endorsed by missing the point. That is not true. I have a loving relationship, and no. well, yes, now, but, but now you have a loving relationship. <laughs> Your girlfriend is phenomenal, but we've all known you for a very long time. You go two to zero. Anyway, real quick, but, but I don't think Adam Gase is gone, and I, I I know that's a blasphemous thing and a crazy thing to say, but. If you're going to fire the defensive coordinator after last week, then why the hell wouldn't you fire the head coach? I I honestly, I I know, I know. But like, honestly, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, do it. And I think that that to me is a sign of the Jets. I know this is crazy. I really don't think they're going to fire him because I think this has been the goal all season. And I think that it's going to be something where they're like, listen, Owen 16, it's going to be Hugh Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what happens when he has a real quarterback, when he has his team. And I really think that is what's going to happen because, like I said in the Slack channel the other day, it honestly wouldn't surprise me, though, if they drafted Lawrence, went through the entire preseason, and then fired Gase because we are talking about a team who let a GM draft their entire draft this past year and then fired him three days later. Well, a, a lot of times, a, a lot of times, the problem in the NFL is the fact that that ownership is bad. I don't, I don't disagree with you necessarily. I mean, owners in the NFL, we've we've seen so many of them that are just. I mean, Jim Irsay, uh, Snyder, 
um uh your boy down there in dallas um or say uh, it was a dirtbag was he a bad owner i think he's a bad owner too he's yeah. a bad owner. he's all, all the above but yeah. the Colts the Colts have been good for a while now. yeah but you can have i mean you can have a good football team and still have a bad owner i mean uh, jerry jones is a bad owner and a bad gm but if he gave up that gm role to his son i think that team would be so much better or hired somebody from the outside he just That's has they need to do he just has so many control issues that that it makes him it, he he makes the money but he, he shoots himself in the foot all the time and then we all know that daniel snyder is just a slime ball so all right guys well that was uh, a, a wonderful we've now gone towards an hour and 10 minutes here on this episode and craig's beanie has come off his hair is a mess he doesn't know how he's going to edit this and get it out uh but guys as we finish up and uh, finish up our discussion here on episode 21 of missing the point. Um, we, d- I don't think we have anything formulated, but uh, Rayshon, give me your, your, your final thoughts on tonight. Uh, well, you know, great, great show as, as, as always, fellas. Um, I just want to reiterate, uh, do not let the Patriots get hot. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Do not let us get hot. Do not let us get rolling and get you're the going, ball. You're going Kevin Millar on us. I'm, I'm going to let the path get exactly because you you got you got you got la thursday you got miami <laughs> next sunday you got buffalo the following monday and then you end with the terrible jets so and they're just ending their season early okay so don't let us get hot we're coming um you know superman is in the building wouldn't it be great just real quick to interject on that wouldn't it be great if the patriots do go 10 and 6 and this is complete speculation and wildly incredible the patriots go 10 and 6 i know bobby hates to hear this because i ju- not not only did i just diss his cowboys i just thought i just thought this was the year you know what i mean like that's where i'm at now is like oh the patriots are bad let's go yeah the patriots are bad and the cowboys are going to be good and 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 then that's not how it is right the, the Cowboys are good in three and thirteen, and the Patriots are bad and going to be ten and six. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, so my my uh, my my thought on that, just to to go off what Ray said. Imagine they get hot, they go ten and six, they get that sixth or seventh uh, seed, they go on a run, and they get to the Super Bowl in Tampa. Yeah, that 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 would, that would be nuts. that would be nuts. That would be nuts. Wait a minute. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't write this right, uh, any better. better. But anyway, right. Bobby, Bobby, give me your final thought. That was awesome. That would be awesome. Now I'm just thinking about <laughs> Cam Newton running out of Tom Brady Stadium in the Super Bowl. Oh my lord. <laughs> Let's Tom go. Brady. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Oh my lord, can you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine against Tom Brady? All right, anyway, um, all right, go give me your give me your final take. Now we're just we're going off the rails. So my final take is a first, this has been an awesome show. Uh, I really enjoyed every minute of this. Uh, Secondly is I think it's hilarious to me that the New York jets are actually that Trevor Lawrence actually (laughs) is considering staying in Clemson just to stay away from the New York jets. That's how bad, right. And that's how bad that franchise is. And I really think that they're that bad that they are going to keep Adam Gase. And and I, that's going to be my final take is that Adam Gase is going to be the New York Jets head coach in 2021. And I honestly legitimately believe that. And Reg- it's regardless so of if they have Trevor Trevor Lawrence or not. Yeah, regardless, he's there. I really think he's going to be. I there. hate that take. I, I hate it. Bobby, you suck. Craig, do you have anything else? Uh, do, full circle, add? though? Wait, full circle. That's why they should have been deleted from the NFL. Get out of here. No, it's still the Lions. 
All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great episode. So we filled you in on, on the NFL, the state of the NFL coaches and, and everything else. I mean, you listen to it. This is the end. So again, uh, look out for our live episode, our live show, the Sunday night sports wrap on December 13th, 6 to 8 PM on Twitch and Facebook live. Maybe, uh, but definitely over on Twitch on the Missing the Point Twitch channel. So if you're listening to this, go over and follow that. There's not much there yet, but we're, we're starting our first live show there on Sunday, December 13th at 6 p.m. Uh, to talk. Sure, to talk everything uh, NFL, and we're even going to mix in a little NBA because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we'll be we'll be pushing it a little bit this week, and you'll hear it on December seventeenth, and that will be our interview uh, with former uh, Boston sports reporter Abby Chin, and then the boys are gonna, and I'm not going to be on this one because, listen, I I can. Uh, Kyrie lives in my head rent free, uh, but uh, Rayshon um, and and the guys are going to do their NBA preview show, uh, which will come out on the opening day of the NBA season, which is December 22nd. So we have so much coming out. We really hope you enjoyed this episode uh, and us talking NFL uh, for Rayshon Buchanan, Bob Kelly, and uh, the best looking executive producer, uh, Craig Delasant. Uh, For the guys, I'm Joe Malkin. Thank you for joining us on episode 21 of Missing the Point. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Missing the Point. Missing the Point is a one-hour weekly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes from today's episode and transcript can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show and like what you heard, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All those links will be in the show notes. Also, check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. For all of us here at Missing the Point, I'm Craig D'Alessandro. We'll talk to you next time. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.